0: In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com goodfootball and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, You can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash goodfootball. G-O-O-D-F-O-O-T-B-A-L-L. Thanks for your help.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto World Football Show. I'm Patrick Darty, joined as always by Mr. Craig Dennis Carter. We're gonna break down the big changes in the Seahawks' backfield, the Rams' continued struggles, whether Taysom Hill and Geno Smith are well and truly for real. One thing we're not gonna talk about, Denny, is you falling down your stairs and almost dying on Sunday because we we yes, I sir. put that out there as like a, a you know like a topic. And uh, then I didn't want to talk about how we were just decrepit old men.
2: Right. We, We decided against talking about how I slipped on my daughter's jacket, which was on the side of the stairs, and went tumbling down the stairs and spilled my plate of eggs, somehow held onto my laptop, but thought that I had broken, I don't know, three to five bones. This is something we will not talk about on this show.
1: We will not talk about how you're podcasting in a flap jacket, uh, <laughs> Flap jacket, excuse me. I had not heard the eggs portion. That really adds a dimension to it. So it's food and a laptop.
2: Um, it, like, I was covered in eggs. Next thing I know, my dog is on top of me eating the eggs.
1: <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so you were laying there kind of just like dying for a little bit, like yep. the vultures were coming in. Yeah. But your dog's like, you've been a good master. But, yeah. uh, and, a, a, another
2: another thing I won't talk about is when you hit your funny bone hard enough. And I'm, again, this is this is off limits. We're not going to talk about it. But when you hit your funny bone hard enough, uh, the feeling leaves your entire lower arm. I mean, <laughs> like completely, totally numb for many many minutes, and you think, "Oh God, I'm I've I've lost." functioning in my left hand
1: that's your blurbing arm i mean we would have had to immediately fire you i mean i know you may think <laughs> that NBC is like you can't fire someone who's suffered an accident but that is actually not part of your employment agreement. <laughs> that's you have a special
2: I one i said um,
1: i told my wife please help me up i'll be i'll be fired if i'm not up in 15 seconds you would have been gone and you'd like, yeah pat refers to me as tiny tim at work and he always says i'm gonna fight he's gonna fire me <laughs> and it's really like a lot of harassment. That's right. And, um, That's but yeah, we're not going to talk about the like, Kids keep the stuff off the the stairs. Please. Like what is the deal with this? Please, um, Off the stairs. And you know, the stairs get all the attention for like where to not put stuff. Don't put stuff like right in front of the door. Like when I come in my garage door, there's always like a boot <laughs> or something there. And right? I almost die like every single time.
2: You, you oh. know, you know what I love The the kids take off their shoes in a way that it looks like they have been abducted by aliens out of their shoes where you know <laughs> I open the front door and it's just, it's just two pairs of shoes sitting there perfectly aligned with each other. Right. But no children. And, and it, and it's right in the way. And I'm thinking, Oh God, they've been abducted, but no, they just put their, uh, they, they just put their shoes there.
1: Yeah. They've been beamed directly out of their shoes, but yeah, man, the stairs are just a, there's the death trap. Um, over the age of 35, did you know that according to the CDC, if you're over the age of 35, you have a one in five chance of dying on the stairs any <laughs> given day.
2: And Don't make me laugh, man. My ribs. <laughs> my ribs.
1: We will make sure this is a very grim, serious podcast, which is why we will begin with the grim, <laughs> serious Matt Rule, who actually he like wanted to be a football guy. But then by the end, he was like the guy who was like citing like Jay-Z in press conferences. As oh he was like desperately... Like putting out gambits for time. Matt Rule has been fired after going 11 and 27 in two plus years as Panthers head coach. The single most stunning football statistic I've maybe ever seen, Denny, from ESPN stats and info, was that the Panthers went one and 27 when allowing 17 plus points under Matt Rule, including 25 losses in a row. Uh, I mean, allowing 17 points should not be a death sentence. That, that's what it is no, he, he's
2: literally i joke about coaches like mike tomlin who are like basically if we uh give up 20 points we don't deserve to win but matt rule actually abided by that which, <laughs> he did you got know, it you got to hand it to him i think and, and and he said look if they score 21 it's over like we don't deserve to win and they never did win here's the funny thing i remember when matt rule was hired and he, like Mike McCarthy, when McCarthy was hired by Dallas, sold himself as the
1: analytics guy.
2: And he couldn't have coached in a more drastically different way than an analytics guy.
1: No, he clearly just read a few athletic articles that said like, New Panthers owner David Tepper's into analytics. Yeah. And that rules, like, well, this can't be that hard. And like, right. And he didn't even subscribe to PFF. He just accessed the really free basic stuff that you only need an email to get on Football Outsiders, and then he said he was into analytics.
2: Yeah, he was like, have you ever heard of adjusted completion rate?
1: (laughs) And he's like, I've only heard of it. I I haven't looked into it yet, obviously. Uh, Can I I
2: just, uh, while we're talking about Matt Rule and everything, uh, David Tepper seems like a guy who makes uh, rash decisions, maybe not completely analytically based himself. Here's a quote from when uh, (laughs) – When he hired when David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, hired Matt Rule, uh, he said, quote, he dresses like expletive and <laughs> he dresses like expletive and sweats all over himself. Mm. He dresses like me. So I have to love the guy. Tepper said I was a short order cook. He was a short order cook. No short order wondered.
1: cooks famously sweaty. It is hot in the kitchen.
2: It is. And nobody gave him anything. Nobody gave me anything the billionaire said to uh, the press. So, yeah, I mean, just just tremendous process there uh, that they they both were short order cooks at one point in their lives. So you get you get the job.
1: It may need a more rigorous process this time. Perhaps someone comes in with some slides about Brandon Staley and just like, I wouldn't have done this. And they, <laughs> even that counts as more analytics than really what Matt Rule did. Yeah, Uh, Because like you said, just seemingly, I mean, he he hired the analytics god, Joe Brady, as his offensive coordinator. Right. And then was like the first guy he tossed overboard. They actually installed a plank at whatever bank the Panther stadium is named after now and made Joe Brady walk it. That's very not very unanalytical.
2: And, and, uh, you you know, you know, what's what's a, a little bit on the tragic side about this is that Ben McAdoo, the offensive coordinator in his first year in Carolina, he has tried to put Baker Mayfield and this offense in a a position to succeed. And what I mean by that is lots of passing on early downs, uh, you know, downfield concepts that are trying to move the ball. Okay. Like they're not doing like the Joe judge thing where they're only going to pass on third and eight. Okay. They, they really, really tried to implement a QB, a QB friendly approach here. And it failed utterly because they don't have the talent.
1: Ben McAdoo is a testament to this being in the wrong place at the wrong time in the NFL or Ben McAdoo. I've long called a visionary because he was one who benched Eli Manning the first time. Yes, And then they came around, like basically made the entire like city of New York apologize to Eli for the benching. And then Ben McAdoo never recovered from having to play Eli Manning again. And he just keeps getting set up in the worst possible situations. And I mean, is there any, is there any post Matt rule hope for the Panthers this season looking going forward, you know, they'll probably get a clean slate, maybe even a new GM, new front office structure. Is there any 2022 hope? Like if you've been rostering DJ Moore and watching him descend into a wide receiver four or five, or is it just wait till next year?
2: I'd like to think that there's some hope now that the wicked witch is gone, that they can, uh, you know, implement some sort of, productive offense or at least an aggressive offense. I, I'm, you know, I'm just spitballing here, but I mean, McAdoo has, and he's still there and maybe McAdoo will be able to like go all out with whatever approach he wants to implement. Uh, I will say that the uh, fourth down decision-making has been horrendous and that, that could change. Also, PJ Walker is going to start this week, I believe, and maybe for several weeks with Baker Mayfield out. And I know, I know, Walker's a little on the erratic side, but honestly, can he be worse than Baker's been?
1: Mm, Probably, actually. Really? Uh, Because I think P.J. Walker has held several beers. Uh, He held Cam Newton's (laughs) beer at being worse. I believe he held Sam Darnold's beer at being worse. Uh, Now, this was under Matt Rule, someone who may not know how to utilize P.J. Walker's skill set, but it did seem like beers were being held and possibly (laughs) consumed.
2: Oh, my God. Are they going to call Cam Newton?
1: They might. I mean, call him up. Uh, yeah. Get him down here.
2: Third third go-round. They can't, yeah, can't where, fail this time. Where's Cam at? Yeah. This time, Pat, this time it counts.
1: This time it always <laughs> counts. Uh, and this time it's going to count on waivers because we have finally found the white whale worth unloading. All your fab on Denny, Kenneth Walker. Yeah. He's the new every down. Maybe not every down. He's the new lead back in Seattle Seattle seems to be, have been kind of limiting the pass-catching role the past two weeks, going to more of a two-man backfield. He immediately scored a 69-yard touchdown after Rashad Penny, who is now out for the season, went down against the New Orleans Saints. I mean, Ken Walker, he's like a first ballot, hashtag not in my league. Right. We know that he's rostered. So he's rostered in 45% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, we know he's rostered in every single one of your experts' leagues <laughs> and has been you know, since he was still in college. Like We get that. We understand that. We, we're sympathetic to that.
2: I mean, there are people screaming at this podcast right now saying, I spent a sixth-round pick on Ken Walker.
1: Yeah, someone just t- they unsubscribed the podcast, which you really shouldn't do that. That hurts us bad. Oh, please don't, don't do that. Don't hit us where it hurts. Um, in fact, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is like in a year, thankfully, that I feel like have been lacking. I kind of like emptied the clip, guys. Lacking because there hasn't been that many game-changing injuries Right. Is Ken Walker an empty the clip for the 55% of leagues where he remains unrostered?
2: Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I he's going to be the cover guy for my waiver wire article tomorrow on NBC sports um, He's, he happens to be good. And, and I think that that's a thing that will uh, help him not only become, you know, the, the, the lead early down back for Seattle, but I think that he could see a fair amount of, of passing down work as well. Um, just a, as a kind of preview of of the piece, uh, Walker oh, since week two has been targeted on seven of his fourteen pass routes in the wow.
1: Seahawks. That's All- great for a guy who only caught thirteen passes his final yeah. year at Michigan State. That's what right, you, that's what you want to hear.
2: And 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 so you know when, when you when you when you're looking at running backs, uh, pass catching prowess, one of the things you want to look at are they commanding targets or are they just running empty routes now Rashad Penny was running a lot of empty routes nothing coming his way he, he was out there running yeah, splitting with DJ Dallas because Travis Homer is of course on IR I think he'll be back in week seven or eight we'll see um but I think I think Walker's um passing time work could be surprisingly large here and you know getting back to Walker just being good at the game um he entered week, good at the game that's right he entered week five with a uh, 3.6 yards per carry uh, – I'm sorry, yards after contact per carry. That's a rate in line with guys you may have heard of named uh, DeAndre Swift, Christian McCaffrey, Ramondre Stevenson. Not uh, right. He <laughs> He was uh, top 10 in elusive rating on Pro Football Focus entering the week. And uh, I think, you know, he kind of showed off on that long touchdown against the Saints. Two quick cuts and he's gone. He, I think he has that that kind of potential where he he's not he's not a, a, the kind of back who's going to have to have to get twenty carries and kind of grind out a hundred yard game. Like he could just pop off just like Rashad Penny, honestly.
1: Just, so DJ Dallas played a little bit yesterday. I don't was DJ Dallas playing before Rashad Penny got hurt. I can't really tell. It seemed like Seattle at some point was like a three man nightmare backfield. Then they committed more to being a two man backfield. Now it's been thrust into chaos with Rashad Penny out, but should we be worried at all that just like the snap share is not going to be as big as we hope?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean there there is there is potential there. DJ Dallas uh, ran eight routes on thirty dropbacks for for the Seahawks. Uh, Ken Walker uh, ran fourteen routes on the on those thirty. Uh, Dropbacks. So,
1: that's actually very, very, very good news.
2: Yeah, I I, th- I thought it was. I I think that it's a little presumptuous to say, and I've seen this a little bit uh, in the analysis of you know what you should do with Ken Walker on the uh, if you, if he's on your waiver wire, saying that like you know DJ Dallas is the unquestioned two minute drill back. He is the unquestioned uh, pass route running back. I, I I don't I don't buy that entirely. And yeah, as far as like emptying the clip and like really being aggressive on Walker. Um, I think, I think this is the time. And what I mean by that is if you have a free agent budget, don't get cute. You know, this is, this is not the player to get cute on. Don't, don't say, oh, well, I'm not going to go 80%. I'm going to, I'm going to go 70% or 75. You go get crazy is what I'm saying. Cause honestly, with free agent budgets, sometimes you got to get a little nuts. Okay. This is the time to do it.
1: You do, and you have to do it early because the, the fantasy regular season is getting close to half over. Bye weeks finally start this week. There's four teams on bye. The Seahawks bye is not until week eleven, and just as like as you wait and wait and wait for the per- there's never gonna be like the truly perfect player on waivers. Every yeah. once in a while, there's like a clear plug and play like RB one type, but those guys usually have some standalone value and already rostered. Like right. Alexander Madison's not really walking through that door on waivers. So it's always going to be someone that kind of has question marks. But like, as you wait for like the theoretical perfect back to emerge, like your season's going out the door basically. And like, if you've waited this 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 long, you've already kind of waited a long time. Like like it's like exactly like you said. Just don't get cute. Don't overthink yeah. it. The perfect player is not going to emerge. But uh, Ken Walker is about as close to perfect as you're going to get, I think. And this is a lesson,
2: you know, for those who didn't didn't roster Ken Walker because they didn't want to take a bench spot or something like these contingency backs are so valuable once they get into the starting role a guy who jumps out in, in, you know in that regard is Rashad White right now Rashad yes, White yes. would would be would be tremendous would be a top, would be a top 12 fantasy option week in and week out he needs to be rostered in way more leagues
1: he does need to be rostered in way more leagues and i'm sorry for the more hardcore players in our audience which is a lot of you I'm sorry you had to sit there and just listen to us talk about someone that again you drafted <laughs> right, right. in uh, your Devi League. Is that what they call those things? Yeah, uh, yeah you definitely. drafted in your Devi League, you know, back when like Barack Obama was still president. Uh, <laughs> no, politics. Come on. Know, we're sorry that he's been rostered for so long. And you know, one reason Denny that Ken Walker is a must-add in the 55% of leagues where he remains unrostered is uh, this is it's an elite Seahawks offense that just being led by the best player in the NFL, Geno Smith. Denny, Geno Smith leads the league in completion percentage over expected. He has the highest pro football focus grade so far. As Ian Harditz, our former colleague, points out, he has 10 touchdowns, which is four more than the entire Broncos team. Um, You may remember a few weeks ago, I was talking about how I was tired of Seahawks fans claiming to me that Geno Smith was good. And then he went out and not only continued to play well, but upped his game and has been genuinely elite the past two weeks is this i have a few stats i'm gonna bring up but is this possibly for real
2: i think i think it's for real in the in the sense that uh gina smith is not probably not going to finish as a top five fantasy option which he is right now.
1: spoiler (laughs) uh
2: but i think that qb1 in a 12 team league is certainly in in the range of outcomes and it's because this Seahawks offense is operating in a completely different way than we've become accustomed to during the Pete Carroll era. They're, they're passing a lot on first down. They're even passing on second down and long, which is not something they've done. Um, They are uh, 10th, they have the 10th highest pass rate over expected. Like, like I just said with the Panthers, the Seahawks are trying to set up Geno Smith in that offense for success. And it, and it has worked and Geno Smith has force-fed his his main weapons, Tyler Lockett and DJ uh, DK Metcalf, uh, and I think I don't see any reason why why that won't continue.
1: All it took for Pete Carroll to finally modernize his offense was true spite and hate. Yeah. He like seemingly everyone else who either played or coached with Russell Wilson doesn't seem to be a huge fan of the guy. Right. And Pete Carroll, you know, he's over seventy. He's not really the kind of person who would normally go to therapy. Rather than going to therapy, he's just opening up his offense with Geno Smith, after he wouldn't do it with Russell Wilson, and he's he's arrived in the twenty twenty two. And is this like a fair assessment, Denny?
2: I that sounds right to me. It is the, the maybe the greatest troll job I've ever seen in, in pro sports, <laughs> where they're like, okay, now that you're gone, Russ, we're going to open up this offense. I, I will say that you know something that you couldn't measure with the analytics coming into the season was Geno's determination and his. Being basically being on a mission from God to prove that he <laughs> belongs in the NFL as a starter and has has been relegated to backup status for many years now. I know that he struggled in a terrible, terrible environment in, in with the Jets. Um, but I, I, you gotta feel good for him. I, I do.
1: Like our friends Jake and Elwood, he's on a mission from God. Look it up, Zoomers. Even Denny might have to look that one up. No, um, I know. I Blues Brothers. He's Blues Brothers. I will say with Gino to cite a very boomer stat in kind of though like a less boomer context i just have anecdotally noticed like the gino just like lights it up in the first half like lights it like frequently is having like 200 yards mm-hmm. in the first half and they're coming out after the break and it's not moving the offense nearly as effectively and like this is happening like as they're giving away games they gave away the game in new orleans yesterday like, the most boomer of all stats is quarter, quarterback rating, Denny, but it's 131.7 in the first half for Geno Smith, and then 88.5 after the second half. Now, again, a very boomer stat, but I think the reason for that is Geno, like, when the Seahawks can be, like, free-flowing, like when the game's not on his shoulders yet, is, like, really dialed in. Mm-hmm. Then maybe, like, the more, pr- uh, more predictable passing situations in the second half, where the game is kind of always put on the quarterback's shoulders. Right. Then we're kind of seeing backup Geno Smith emerge. I'm just wondering if maybe that's like the sign that this still isn't sustainable. Like it's still a really, really good backup quarterback. But I haven't, I have not been able to help but notice that, like, yeah. when when it's like predictable passing time, Geno kind of goes back to the, the Geno we've known. Yeah,
2: that's a, you know, that's a good point. It it is, that is boomer stat, but it, but it, you know, it reflects struggles that, that the Seahawks are having in the second half of games. And uh, I I think that makes sense. I, I also think that from a fantasy standpoint, the fact that the Seattle defense cannot stop anybody on the ground no. or through the air.
1: Yeah. I was going to say anywhere yeah. is right now, it, in the kicking game. Um, yeah.
2: I mean, they're basically not, not there uh, is, is good. I think that it means that the Seahawks are going to have to keep their foot on the proverbial uh, pedal and, and keep going. And, and uh, sure. That means that, you know, Smith is going to make his fair share of mistakes. And honestly, I mean, I don't care if the Seahawks are good or not, no, no. but
1: we, we prefer if they're not, I mean, I just
2: want him to keep throwing. And I think that, I think that he will, I think that he's in a situation where they have no other option.
1: They have no, and this, the other way to properly contextualize Gino and why even I like, apparently the consummate Geno hater um, has to admit he might remain a QB one. Is that it's just a horrible position this year. It's yeah, just right. a terrible, 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 but I mean, Jared Goff is still, we played five games uh, almost a third of the entire season and Jared Goff is still ranking as a QB one by average fantasy points. I mean, to a tag of a low Derek Carr is like, it's just not some years it, there's not six or seven dual threats lighting it up this year. There's not six or seven, like 4,500 4,500 yard passers lighting it up this year. Quarterbacks is kind of in transition right now mm-hmm. and it's just not a very good position. And Gino could, and cause you know, doing part to the struggles. Of the aforementioned Russell Wilson, who but you're, starting,
2: you're, st- you're starting, you're, you're starting Geno over Russ.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Easily. No, no. I'm saying like, even I, who like, am just going to true the Geno to the bitter end. I <laughs> have to admit that he might remain a QB one for a while, just because of how bad yeah. this position is right now.
2: Can I uh, read some names of, of other quarterbacks and whether you would start Geno over them on a given week. All right.
1: On a, On a given week. Okay. Yes.
2: All right. Trevor Lawrence.
1: Uh, yeah i cause the, the, i have tweeted this i can't tell anything about the jags like is trevor lawrence progressing who's the starting running back is christian kirk overpaid i still feel like i know nothing about this team
2: okay so gino over trevor okay yeah uh gino over stafford
1: yes actually yes. which exactly. makes me cry but yes yes
2: uh gino over jared Goff.
1: No, I mean only I mean if weeks were like Jared is facing like Bill Belichick, like talking about an easy fade.
2: It was yeah. that was the easiest
1: Bill fade. Belichick's gonna yeah. Speaking of scrambled eggs, Bill Belichick's gonna turn this guy's brain into scrambled eggs here. Like he's gonna be so confused. <laughs> so so confused. He has no idea like what sport he's even playing. Uh and last one,
2: last one, and I think I know your answer, but I'm torn. Gino or Aaron Rodgers?
1: Oh. Probably Aaron Rodgers, just because I feel like they have like almost the same floor right now, but oh man, that was a tough one.
2: It is tough. I, I, mean, tough. I mean, I, I think tough. Gino in a good matchup over Rogers in a media median matchup. I think that I go.
1: Yeah, to I that. actually think that is fair. And I'm beginning to question. I thought Rogers had already like fully reestablished his floor, and then like the ceiling was going to follow. Yeah. Um. Obviously, questioning that after the past two games. Yes. And maybe the Rogers ceiling just doesn't exist this year. And maybe that Rogers efficiency just isn't enough this year. And man, what a crazy year. Yes, it's, it is wild. And one reason it's such a crazy re- year is, you know, early on the show, we talked about the Matt rule Honor code where if the other team scores 17 points, you just give up. You don't try to, if you can't win <laughs> fewer than 20 points, you just give up. Um, the Los Angeles Rams are abiding <laughs> by that. Yes. Denny, the Carolina Panthers have one of the most poorly organized offenses I've ever seen in my life. Just like, No coherent approach whatsoever. They have 13 more points than the loss. The Rams have 80 points through five games. Matthew Stafford has produced more than one touchdown one time. He leads the league in sacks taken. He leads the league in interceptions. He's climbing up the lost fumbles leaderboard. Obviously not all his fault. Uh, The protection is just so, 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 so bad. But is there any... Is there any light at the end? Of, I mean, I think like the Rams at this point boil down to Sean McVay's a genius. He'll figure something out. And like, there's like a non zero percent chance of having, it, but it's just not like a real plan. Well, and is there is there light at the end of the tunnel no. for the Rams offense?
2: No, there's not. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's Cooper Cup, it's Tyler Higby, and that's it. That's the list. Okay. Is Ben
1: Skronik um, getting on the list? I don't
2: right. Know. I mean, I am going to write up Ben Skoranek for my way to <laughs> Of course. Because, I mean, he's he's running a lot of routes, and he is clearly ahead of Allen Robinson in the pecking order there in the past game. Uh, Stafford is not usable even in 14-team leagues. Uh, Cam Akers, not usable. Daryl Henderson, not usable. It's, it's really, really ugly. And it, I think – it mostly boils down to the fact that their offensive line cannot stop anybody. And I'm talking about anybody, like even, even teams, you forget the Cowboys ate them alive and that was predictable. Okay. Uh, any team with a halfway decent pass rush is going to get to Stafford. Stafford eventually will miss time and that will doom this offense, including Cooper cup, uh, Stafford, uh, several times in the second half took a long time to peel himself off the turf uh was shaking his hand at one point, was holding his wrist. His, his shoulders seemed to be hurting at some point. You know, Joe, so he's taking hit after hit after hit. What's their backup's name? I, I, I Walford. 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 He's, he's basically like a, you know, like, like an XFL.
1: Yeah, he, he's one of those guys, he's a roster filler. He's okay. there because they couldn't afford to pay a real backup. Exactly.
2: So what you've been saying for, I don't know, all five or six weeks now of the season of this team is being exposed for its team building process, which has been, uh, stars and scrubs. Well, when your stars can't produce the, the, and you have to turn to your scrubs, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't work. This model no longer works. The wall street journal had a piece today saying what you've been saying, honestly, that, that, that this, uh, approach by the Rams, by Les Snead, it worked, it worked. It got them their Super Bowl, and that, and now it's over.
1: Yeah, they stayed one step ahead of the law for so long, but again, the stat I came back to 13 top 100 picks since 2016, where like the baseline for that is 21 to 22. And uh, just for you, they haven't, and they haven't made a first, first round pick since 2016. Jeez. Like there's there's just no depth. The depth is gone. And like, you can't afford, you have no margin for error when that happens. None. And all the margin, like they've had to call upon that margin for error this year. And it has not been there. And, there's just there's no plausible backup plan. Like everything kind of just requires magical thinking. Like Sean McVay is a genius; he'll figure out something crazy. Or Cam Akers' Achilles will finally like kick into gear, and it'll be like more like the Cam Akers we saw pre-injury. Or Odell Beckham, who's coming off as yet another torn ACL, will sign right and like re- revive the offense. Or suddenly Matthew Stafford and Alan Robinson will get like all of that is is basically magical thinking, and I just don't know what, like what the plausible counterpunch could be uh for the maybe Kyron Williams who's on injured reserve and can't remember when he's coming back maybe he'll have something that can change up the mojo in the offense but yeah it just seems like there's no door for them to open that's going to have an answer
2: yeah I mean yeah maybe maybe Kyron Williams and he, and he's a good deep uh deeply ad by the way um because Cam Akers it's just it's not happening no um 13 carries yesterday for I believe 33 yards he missed two wide open running lanes where the the broadcast actually pointed out like, Hey, I don't know what acres is looking at, but he could have broken a long run there. And he, and he, instead he ran headlong into about a group of, of seven other players. So I, I don't, I don't really know what's going on with acres. Um, he's not a fantasy option though.
1: No. And Matthew Stafford is just not, I mean, not this like breaking news to people, but I can't yeah. see Matthew Stafford getting back in the top. I mean, bye weeks are starting, so maybe it's a good matchup and there's four teams on bye. Right. But I don't see Matthew Stafford being in my top 12 anytime soon at all.
2: No, how how can you? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it was clear a few weeks ago, like you could do way better on the waiver wire um, if if you drafted Stafford thinking that, Um, you know, thinking that he could do what he did last year, which is pile up yards and, and a pocket passer like him, he has to pile up yards in order to be viable for uh, in, in 12 team formats.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal. And when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So, set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
1: So, we talked about some stars. I'm not going to call this guy a Scrub. I was going to stick with the stars and the Scrubs theme. But uh, Arizona Cardinals, James Conner, as he always is, is day-to-day. Yeah. Darrell Williams has a knee injury. It looks like there's a chance, Denny, that Eno Benjamin... Could be a plug-and-play RB2 for Week 6 against the Seattle Football Seahawks. So I believe are lying the fifth most running back fantasy points. They're just getting smashed in every aspect of the game. Like we said, Ken Walker is the lead this week, but is Eno Benjamin priority number two on the running back waiver wire? I
2: think so. Uh, I can't it's, I feel like it's a this-time-it-counts situation with Eno Benjamin. Oh, yeah. As, like, it,
1: it usually is yeah. with these waiver-wire running backs. It's, like, it's going to be different this time, folks.
2: But, okay, look, just like with Ramondre Stevenson, if every other running back is hurt, then Eno Benjamin is going to get a big workload. You better eat. believe it. He's going to eat. D- D- Darrell Williams' injury is is huge, obviously, here. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury said, what are you talking about? James Conner's fine after the game. Which
1: sort said. of he also said we are being very cautious and a guy who already had injured ribs last year I mean, james Conner was already playing with a flak jacket yesterday because mm. of the rib injury he suffered last year so wow. i'm not sure this guy's gonna be like like, so yeah you know what coach uh just fell down the stairs yep. <laughs> uh, maybe uh in my ribs a week or two i uh
2: i feel i feel you james uh, yeah, we it,
1: the problem is at waiver time, we're not going to know James Conner's week six status. That's right. a problem for waivers. And you were about to, I think, make a point about that.
2: Well, you know, Benjamin, uh, when James Conner left, I, I believe week one or maybe week two, you know, Benjamin was like the workhorse. And, and then when James Conner missed a game, then he split the workload with Darrell Williams. And Darrell Williams actually ran as the primary guy. Um, but against the who they play they against the Eagles yesterday,
1: Philly Eagles. Who they should have sent to overtime, but it's Cliff Kingsbury, and so they didn't. That poor kicker, man. Jeez. Oh. They did, but not to get you too uh, far off track, but uh, I mentioned this in the podcast with Pat. They when he was coming in to kick the game winning kick or the game tying kick. They showed a manchas of him shanking it to the right in pregame I warmups. I saw it, yeah. And then he horribly, horribly shanked it to the right.
2: He seemed. It reminded me of a golf swing where you're just desperately trying not to slice it, yeah. and it's <laughs> but it's the only thing you can do at that. It was that
1: quite point. literally the only possible outcome, Manny.
2: Um, and uh, oh, by the way, okay, we're going to get even further afield here. The the sub kicker for the Eagles. Uh, his last name is Dicker. He was asked about. <laughs> he was asked about uh, the NFL in general, what it's like to play with it. He goes, "I'm guys, I'm not, uh, I'm not into football. I don't know. <laughs> like I don't, I don't watch serious? the NFL. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I understand. I don't watch the NFL. I, I'm a soccer fan. If you want me to talk to you about about English soccer clubs, I can do that. But I don't know anything about the NFL.
1: The it guy's was, gonna be good then.
2: It was something. I was like, oh, this is this is such a breath of fresh air. They he truly me. doesn't
1: care. He's not gonna feel any pressure.
2: Yeah, they asked him what it was like to play with Nick Folk because they are from the same county or something. And he was like, I don't I don't know Nick Folk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've wow. never heard of him. Uh, anyway. All right. Back to Eno Benjamin, real quick here. Yesterday against the Eagles. Uh, he ran twenty five routes, was targeted four times. He saw eight carries um, all in the second half. So yeah, uh, I think that, you know, he is like a like a fantastic plug and play in a Cardinals offense that is slowly getting better.
1: So, like, you know, I will say, too, we don't, we haven't really gotten a meaningful update on – Cliff he did have his Monday press conference. By the time we've done this podcast, we didn't really have a meaningful update for either James Conner or Darrell Williams. So, just be uh, – you're going to be operating with limited information probably when you yeah. put away claims on Eno Benjamin. So, he's a guy where you can hedge, and if you get him, you might have a plug-and-play RB2. Um, do not hedge on Ken Walker. You can hedge on Eno Benjamin. Unless by tomorrow we hear James Conner's not playing. Then I feel like you can get a little friskier. I, I,
2: I feel like we won't know that until probably Friday. Yeah.
1: Probably not. Denny, in a backfield where you don't have to make a move because both these guys are way over 50% rostered, is Travis Etienne putting the move on mm-hmm. J-Rob and Jacksonville. Uh, James Robinson decisively outsnapped him in weeks two and three, but as things have gone really haywire for the Jaguars, it's been like a, a narrow snap advantage, but Travis Etienne has outsnapped James Robinson over the past two weeks. Are we seeing maybe the changing of the guard here? Or I, I mean, I saw some people tweeting yesterday like Travis Etienne's like not good, lol. Yeah, um, I don't know. So what, I don't know what's up. With it, maybe he's not even good. I don't know. But what's going on here in the Jags' back? I field. actually think he is. He
2: is probably really good. Uh,
0: right.
2: Yeah. Uh, look, Etienne has taken over the the obvious passing down uh, role, like uh, in two minute drills, and then when the team's chasing points in the second half. Like Etienne is the only guy on the field at that point. And, and and that's a significant shift from what we saw in the, you know, opening two or three weeks of the season. where James, John
1: Shipley came on our podcast and said it would be James Robinson. And we were like, damn. And then he was right.
2: I think they tried it with him. And and, and uh, uh, on a larger point, I do think that um, Robinson and Cam Akers are, you know, clearly like is yeah, not over their Achilles S- no. situations right no. and and i i think that we just really need to be careful with saying like oh this this guy is clearly back this running back is clearly back from this horrific injury um which is usually career altering or career ending in many you know it used to be at least uh but yeah robinson i don't i don't, I don't think that he's going to be able to hold on to this gig for much longer and it going forward if you said if you said to me who would you rather have for the rest of the season i'm picking etienne i'm uh, no hesitation
1: i think i think i agree with that too And uh yeah i don't know the james counter stuff is kind of weird because he looked really unexplosive some weeks but then some weeks like the rate stats were really good yeah but this just makes too much sense kind of like not to believe in it i feel like and i think we're seeing the jaguars are not as good of a team as they might have appeared in weeks one through three and there might be a lot of two minute mode and a lot of like comeback mode, a lot right. of like passing down Mac back mode. And like you said, Travis Etienne has taken the lead there.
2: Yeah. Uh, you're right. I think you are right about uh, a lot of negative game script coming their way, which is of course, terrible for Trevor Lawrence because he really does not mm. operate well in that environment. Man, no, um, but, uh, and uh, the rest of season strength of schedule, the Jags have the 10th toughest schedule. So it could be nice. it could get ugly.
1: Even in that division, Man, what's going on in that division? Uh, <laughs> so, is
2: that division ever going to be good? It, no, it, it would, or
1: uh, good, or just too, like ever remotely normal? Yeah. Thing? Why uh, are they always so bad?
2: <laughs> I don't know. You would think that accidentally one year, it would be like,
1: oh, the AFC South's for real, it's just just by pure coincidence. But they're never, like, normal bad. They're always bad, but it's like, wow, I don't really understand why the Texans beat the Bills this week. But <laughs> I guess. Uh, remember the Jaguars beat the Bills last year uh, with Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer has beaten the Josh Allen-led Bills.
2: Oh, that was, that was such a gross game. Oh,
1: uh, history, oh. too. What a stain on history that Urban Meyer has beaten Josh Allen. Yeah. Uh, but it happened, uh, what has also happened, Denny, is Rondell Moore returned to the slot. Yeah. The Arizona Cardinals on Sunday finally welcomed himself to the season. I believe seven catches for sixty-eight yards uh, seemed like what we wanted to see. I will say so. Did we see what we want to see? And are we forgetting that DeAndre Hopkins is back from suspension in Week Seven? And how might that change the dynamic with Marquise Brown and Rondell Moore? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I I don't think that DeAndre Hopkins coming back is going to be like you know a disaster for Rondell Moore's fantasy usefulness. Uh Moore ran 83% of his routes from the slot uh this week, which was a great relief after he mostly operated as an outside receiver as a five six, five foot six uh outside receiver, which is it's something you gotta hand it to Cliff. Yeah, James you Raider. got you gotta
1: hand it to him, but uh
2: yeah. Greg Dort's season is over. I declare it over. He only yeah. played he only ran two routes. You know what, though, I'm I'm not
1: sad. I'm happy that we got it. It's Morgan, true. You
2: know, I'm Actually, happy that we experienced true. it. Dortz is and He was um, this year's
1: Dan Arnold. Just be, don't be sad. It's over. Be happy it happened. There you go.
2: And, and I'm, I'm good with that. So, Greg Dortz, thank you for the memories. It was fun. Uh, but Rondell Moore is back seven catches on eight targets, almost, almost came up with a touchdown against the Eagles. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins come back, comes back. He's going to occupy probably, you know, the outside. Rondell Moore slides into the slot. Now, this is rational coaching. So it might, that might not happen that way. Um, but I, I think I think that it's it's looking uh, things are looking up at least a little bit for this Cardinals offense with Hopkins returning, with more being utilized in a you know more reasonable, sensible way, with Marquise Brown uh, really emerging as a viable downfield threat for Kyla Murray. I, I think I think that this offense is interesting going forward.
1: So Rondale Moore is only eighteen percent rostered on our friends yeah. at Yahoo service. <laughs> Uh, is DeAndre gonna be bad for Marquise Brown? Because someone's am not someone who's seeing like prodigious, reliable volume. Yeah, uh, people mean, forget. Hashtag people forget. The DeAndre Hopkins wasn't really that good last year. No, and I he can't wasn't, decide how worried to be about it. But
2: he wasn't seeing a ton of targets either. I mean, he he his his target per route run rate was way down uh, last year compared to uh, 2020. So I, I think that is something to watch. I I, I don't think Marquise Brown is like this like borderline wide receiver one option that he's become. I don't think that he can retain that um, when Hopkins comes back, uh, but you know, you didn't draft him that way. So it'll be okay.
1: Hopkins, by the way, 86% rostered. So you're not going to really be pulling any October surprises yeah. with DeAndre Hopkins on the way. On, I, I, DeAndre, we'll see, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he's definitely- also coming off a steroid suspension. It must be noted. Right. A,
2: definitely a part of his career where you got to wonder if he's reached, uh, you know, reached the end, end of the line, you know, the AJ green zone.
1: And, you know, hopefully the horse tranquilizers are, these ones aren't detectable. <laughs> and We're hoping. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry to make a steroid joke. He's probably clean now. Uh, but AJ green, by the way, kept both feet in bounds on a catch yesterday. It was a big moment. For the first time since 2016, it was said. 2016 was my the stat I found. Yeah, it, it
2: was. It was actually like almost disconcerting to see AJ Green make a play.
1: I know. I, I don't understand too. Someone who is a was a Hall of Famer seriously just became categorically unable to keep both feet in bounds. It was really weird. It was almost like it was mental, like a catcher who couldn't throw the ball to second base.
2: I, I mean, I I had not seen him make a positive play. It's like Andy Isabella. Nothing good has ever happened when you throw it to Andy Isabella. Nothing good has happened to AJ Green when you throw it to AJ Green since like,
1: honestly, since like 2019. No, no, man. Nothing good ever happens after Isabella O'Clock, by the way. Wow. Did we get hoodwinked on that one? <laughs> uh, Isabella went, uh, was signed by Baltimore today, by the way. Oh, man. Wide receiver one there, I think, actually, just hey, to be frank. Let's, uh, you know, Let's not give up on him yet. Yeah, Denny, I save this one to near the end of the show because it's a conversation no father ever wants to have. Um, but it is Taysom Hill good this time. Is, is Does this time it count with Taysom Hill or the tight end Taysom Hill who conveniently never, ever, ever plays the position of tight end in real life? Right.
2: I mean, Taysom Hill is the single most maddening fantasy player of all time. I think that that's that's pretty clear here. Let me let me read you his fantasy output through the first five weeks of the season. So. 15 points in week one, 1.4 in week two, zero in week three, 8.1 in week four, and then 34.6 points in his explosion against the Seahawks. Now he's averaging 10.9 yards per carry. Okay. That's more than double his career career average. He's only seen Mike Clay from ESPN tweeted today uh, that he's only seen one carry from inside the five. So, the idea, which I've seen bandied about a little bit, the idea that he's the goal line hammer is that's incorrect. He's not the they, that's not the way they're using him. Maybe they will in the future, but they have not used him that way. So it's it's not he has no floor. Okay, when you plug if you plug him in as your tight end this coming week, you're you're it's it's likely you will have zero to three points from him. Okay. You could also obviously get 10 to 15. I would say that Chasem Hill is interesting if you are scraping the bottom of the barrel on on waiver wire tight ends. If you're considering someone like Mo Alley Cox or Taysom Hill, I'd probably lean Taysom Hill.
1: But so by in standard by standard fantasy scoring, by the way, Chasem Hill is the number one tight end in football. Despite the fact that he's caught one pass all year, is Um, that right? It's right, he's the number one in terms of standard scoring Mm -hmm. uh, for the season. For the season, no, I'm dead serious. And how can that be in PPR leagues where he's caught one pass? He's the tight end three by average points behind only Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. Um, if you want to know how messed up this situation is, I know know. (laughs) you know that's crazy I, I i didn't know that oh he's 54 man. overall ppr points 34.2 of which came in week five highlighting right. that he has no floor uh, he does have a crazy ceiling but he has just absolutely zero floor so yeah the in the league where the only way you score points the scoring format where the only way you score points is by racking up cheap receptions the number three overall player has one reception
2: <laughs> it's the it's
1: game's broken, like, folks. Yeah, it's almost like he's not a tight end.
2: Um, almost, yeah. almost. Uh, I will say that he, I'm, I'm interested uh, for as long as James Winston is not in the picture, because they clearly are set on Andy Dalton not being like the focal point of their offense, and they're going to be they're going to freewheel it with Taysom Hill for as long as Dalton is the quarterback.
1: Boy, do I need Jameis Winston back to start getting Chris Olave the ball. I will not, not ashamed to admit that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And
2: also, Taysom Hill is, you know, been a disaster for Alvin Kamara. And even, even in a a high yardage game for Kamara in week five, you know, didn't get any touchdowns, didn't even get a, a look at a touchdown because of Taysom Hill.
1: Yeah, we'll see if that's also through that big game with a Seahawks mirage for Alvin Kamara, which might become a real fantasy phenomenon this year. The because the, the Rams are going to have two Seahawks mirages. Uh, we're going to ride it for this game. games. Hey, it looks like the Rams figured it out.
2: Yeah, um, right, right.
1: Yeah, uh, Allen Robinson had, had two catches for two yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> they figured it out uh, on ten targets, of course. Um, but the Rams have figured out. Denny, we're almost to the end of the show, but. Who is your favorite? I noticed you had a lot of like zero, one, two percent rostered receivers written up this week. Who is your favorite deep cut receiver on the Week Six waiver wire?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it has to be Darius Slayton, who is rostered in zero uh, percent of leagues. Seems low. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is. And, and uh, shoot, I was I uh, just looking at his usage stats. All right, here we go. So with the with the uh, Giants just desperate at receiver, no Kenny Galladay, no Tony, no Wandell Robinson, and and really Slayton's usage and role hinges on the availability of those guys. So keep keep that in mind. But he was targeted. Slayton was targeted on seven of his twenty one routes, which is really strong against the Packers. Um, was like you know by far and away the team's uh, top target. Daniel Jones's top target. Even though the team hates Slayton and has wanted to get rid of him for what seems like you know a year now. Yeah. um not a reason, fan. They for some reason they they cannot. But yeah, I think that he makes sense as a pickup. Uh Kadarius Tony is struggling with at least two, possibly three hamstring injuries right now.
1: <laughs> we're we're um, looking at they're having their best people look into it.
2: <laughs> so um, many, so many hamstring injuries for Kadarius Tony. Uh, so I, you know, you, you gotta imagine he's not close to playing. While Robinson is, you know, he's practicing, but I, I feel like them holding him out is not a great sign for his for his knee injury. Um, and there's nobody else, David Sills, you know, who's really a practice squad type player. So, so D- Darius Slayton could just fall into a lot of target volume if if this situation remains the same in Week Six.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if the not in my leaguers are going to be able to get you on Darius Slayton.
2: Please. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Come on. Give, give, us, give us this one.
1: If you will be, on, I have Darius Slayton rostered in my dynasty league. Oh,
2: you're a sicko.
1: <laughs> I, you're uh, a- I actually finally dropped him this summer. Then I re-added him once I had a spot open up. Um, haven't he was good anymore. once upon a time. You, I don't really understand why he just. Dis- I guess Daniel Jones is why his game does not align with Daniel Jones. Um, Danny, who is the kicker of the week? Uh, I, I think is it, a yeah. bit, is it a player that might not be healthy? Who Who's the kicker of the week?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Uh, well, yeah, look, the whoever kicks for the 49ers is, is in a great spot uh, this week against the Falcons. Big, big favorites against the Falcons. They'll be in the dome. Um, the Also, <laughs> the, the Chargers – uh, are struggling with a kicker injury situation. Dustin Hopkins missed uh, week five. Taylor Bertole. Yeah,
1: he's he's a French guy. I mean, I don't yeah.
2: Know so if if you can stomach that, uh, he, he. You can he, stomach
1: having a French guy in your team. Exactly,
2: exactly. If you if you love America too much, I get it. But <laughs> the, the Chargers are six and a half point home favorites against Denver. Denver is giving up uh, the sixth most field goal attempts on the season. But okay, here's here's one. Here's one guy who definitely will be kicking this week and is a good play. Matt Prater, available in 82% of leagues. Get him. Uh Arizona plays the Seahawks. Everybody kicks field goals. Uh, Everybody scores all the points again. I
1: will them. say though, yeah, we don't know if Matt Prater will be healthy. Uh, he's is also he banged up too. He's also banged up. Um
2: So, so. I have three I have three yeah. recommendations. Listen guys, what what we're doing here <laughs> is we're doing team kicker, okay? Yes. So, we want to monitor the kicking. This is, I know this is what you wanted to do this week with your time. You want to monitor the kicking situation in Arizona, in San Francisco, and it, with the Chargers.
1: Because remember, Prater's made it because his fill in was the guy who kept horribly shanking the ball. Oh, yeah. Uh, Matt, Ammon- Matt, don't call me Danny and Mandola.
2: Man, that poor kid.
1: Part, real quick, I was going to end the show, but. I saw too you have a zero percent right up at tight end and eric salbert yeah the denver broncos who i'm glad i didn't fall for the albert o trick i just that coaching staff does not like that guy no and, uh, not at all he's not playing
2: no. they're they're done with him and, and salbert for as long as greg Dulcich is not playing and he could play this week i suppose i mean he's had a what two and a half month hamstring injury now Seems um long. yeah uh but salbert yeah i mean ran a, a decent amount of routes uh was targeted six times or yeah six times against the Colts I mean you're he's a floor play don't get me wrong but uh,
1: you could do worse you could do a lot worse and you could always do a lot worse than listening to the show it was another really good show today with Denny and his waivers information so please check out Denny's waiver wired column on the site it should be live by the time you are listening to this I mean it might not if you're a really early bird it probably won't be live yet um, no it, it'll be uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time. That's when the article goes live on Tuesday. Waiver Wired ahead of your bids on Tuesday evening. Check it out. Continue to check the site for news, you know, updates on things like James Conner. And if you can bid on Eno Benjamin and Good Conscience tomorrow. Um, And yeah, uh, thank you for listening. Keep listening. I'll be back on Tuesday with Mr. Kyle Dvorak, Lawrence Jackson. Uh, I'll be back later in the week with my rankings article. Denny will be back later in the week with seems like several articles still. Uh, Oh, your Tuesday (laughs) Q&A also. Check yes. it out, 1 p.m. Eastern.
2: Yeah, that's on NFL and NBC YouTube channel. The kids are watching it every every uh, Tuesday. We have a lot of fun. I, I, I actually really enjoy the chat in in that one. So join us. Join us tomorrow, 1 o'clock.
1: Those are a lot of fun. I'm not doing one this year. And while, sure, I like my time, um, I am kind of sad not to be doing it. Uh, it's good for the ego. It is really good for the ego. It's, <laughs> it's also just a lot of fun. So for Denny Carter, I'm Patrick Darty. Thank you for listening. We'll be back later this week.